Welcome to Homeschool Your Way, the upbeat, open-minded podcast that informs and affirms your choices about your kids' education. We'll provide a buffet of ideas to inspire you to homeschool your way, because your way is the best way. All of the content on the Homeschool Your Way podcast is provided for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical or legal advice. The views expressed by the hosts or guests of the show are not necessarily endorsed by Bookshark. Welcome to Homeschool Your Way. I'm your host and Bookshark's community manager, Jana Cook. Today, my guest is Dr. Elaine Roberts, and we'll be discussing what a college professor really thinks about homeschool students. She shares her personal experience with homeschool students at the collegiate level. You might be surprised at what you hear. Before we get started, here's your homeschool hack of the week. Get some sand between your toes or dirt beneath your kids' feet. According to Dr. Casey Flagel, quote, when children are barefoot, it allows the development of higher brain centers, which allows for better problem solving and social skills regulation of emotions, and confidence, end quote. Plus, isn't there just something special about taking your shoes off and connecting with the ground? Spring is finally here, and we've made it through another winter. Take time to honor the change in seasons and gain new perspective. You'll be glad you did. And who knows, maybe your kids will thank you for it. Let's jump into today's topic and hear what the professor has to say. Dr. Roberts, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you, Jenna. Why don't you go ahead and tell our audience a little bit about yourself and maybe leave out any negative (laughs) stories you may have had from my college years. (laughs) I can't think of a one, Jenna, anyway, to tell, she said quietly. Uh, I am Dr. Elaine Roberts, and it's my pleasure to be here with you, Jana. Uh, I am, yes, a writing professor for over 20 years now. Um, I'm also currently a part-time high school English teacher, so I have a different perspective as well on teaching and writing. And I've done some work as an instructional coach and ed tech specialist working with classroom teachers at all grade levels, K through 12 around the country. So um, and spent some time in corporate America, so I have kind of a broad background and different perspective on what we should be looking for in writing and how should how we should be approaching writing. I'm excited for you to share your experience in almost all of these areas that you've talked about because I think as homeschool parents, one of the biggest fears that we have is are we doing enough to prepare our children not only for college but for the real world? Um, we had talked earlier about there was, has been, and still is some stigma around being homeschooled in our society. And so when you mm-hmm. look at this idea of homeschool children in general, we'll start first with education. Um, what are you really seeing in the classroom that would maybe identify a student as a homeschooler, maybe set them apart, positive or negative as a homeschooler? Well. Jenna, last year in the fall semester um, in my English 101 class, I did have a homeschooled student and I would not have known he was homeschooled until I got his first paper. Um, And we'll just say it needed some work. And when I gave the paper back to him with a number of comments, that's when he told me that he was homeschooled and he'd never written a formal research paper before. 
which was unexpected. Um, although to be fair, a lot of my regularly educated students had not written a formal research paper before either. It's just he was really at something of a loss to even know how to get started on a research paper. So because he'd never done that before, he'd done casual essays, they'd done some work with poetry, etc. So but the thing is that one of the things that I've noticed about um, homeschool students is that they have a lot of self-starter capability. And I think that is just the nature of being a homeschool student. Um, so when I sat down with this student and gave him some guidelines and some things to be thinking about with regard to his own work, he asked a lot of questions. He was more than willing to come in before class, after class, whenever I could be available to get essentially some some additional tutoring. And I have to say that by the end of the semester, he was definitely one of my strongest writers. And I think part of that is just he's a self, he was a self-starter. I know that um, there's a lot of, oh, written work out there um, that I've come across, articles, whatnot, that that's one of the biggest observations of uh, college professors in homeschool students is this idea of self-starting. And so Mm -hmm. I do wonder... um, since I was homeschooled myself, eight through 12th grade, um, which I think is more the, the academic years of homeschooling. Personally, I, I have homeschooled my children now from, from second through eighth. And so um, I think that when you start getting into that middle school, high school is when you really start to put together maybe those rules and how mm-hmm. to do the instruction, given instruction, and then um, do the actual work. So When I'm looking and talking to homeschool parents, um, when I'm reassuring them that they are, that their kids are going to be okay, that um, they are going to come out of this homeschool experience better than before. And, Mm -hmm. and obviously that is, that's an, not necessarily an assurance that I can back up hundred percent by any means, but, but I am fairly confident um, that if you do the work as homeschoolers and that work can look so differently from a box curriculum, like Bookshark, which I work for, um, who are very clear guidelines and very, um, uh, constructed work being done uh, to these unschoolers. I think one thing that I keep coming back around to is it's Mm -hmm. the love of learning. Like your example Mm -hmm. of that student, he didn't have the know-how, but he wanted to do it. And so that's one of the biggest differences I've seen, even in my own experience personally and with my children. Um, So is that a general rule that you've seen with homeschool students? Hmm. Well, as you know, one of my favorite answers is it depends. And I would have to say, again, it depends because some years ago, um, a friend of mine who had been homeschooling her her daughter um, asked me if I would work with Michelle as she was working on, because Michelle was being homeschooled up through I want to say ninth grade, but it could be in 10th grade, not that it really matters. So she, but she wanted to go to high school to be in high school, to have that social experience. Um, but Michelle was planning to go to art school. She was was actually had her eye on Savannah College of Art and Design. That's where she wanted to go. She knew what kind of work she wanted to do. But Michelle 
needed to work on her writing skills. And one of the things that she kept saying to me was, but I'm never going to need to write. I said, oh, but yes, yes, you will need to write. You'll need to write certain kinds of things. And at least if you're in high school, you need to learn some of the fundamentals. So for her, it was really helping her understand why it was relevant and why it mattered even for her high school years, but then ultimately for what she was going to be once she was, once she was out of high school and and she did actually end up going to SCAD. But I think part, part of that has to do with, it's true for the, the public educated kids as well. They, they need to understand that there's relevance, that there's value to what they're learning. And I think that's, you know, if I were to to talk to homeschool parents one of the things that I would have to say is that regardless of what we're teaching them, whether it's you or me or somebody else, if kids don't understand the connection to their immediate lives, as well as whatever their futures might be, they're going to be less likely to want to do it. But I also think it goes back to something you said earlier, recognizing that writing is not a standalone skill. I I I have to read before I can write. I have to think before I can write. And recognizing that a lot of what writing is, is simply putting your ideas on paper or to the keyboard, whatever it is, and helping them recognize that writing skill is refining that so that other people, when they read your words, they understand what you're trying to say. And and I think if students understand that ultimately writing is to make sure that others, or to help others, not make sure, but to help other people understand what they're trying to say, and why they're trying to say it, then it feels less like a chore. Because so often, if I may, students tend to equate, and this may be true of homeschool students as well, but I know public education school students, when you say, okay, so we have to do this stuff with English, or we have to do this stuff in writing, they want to, you know, oh, they grimace, and they make all kinds of pains, faces, and noises, because they equate it with grammar, which has not been well taught in their schooling. And as a result, then they already have a negative connotation about what writing is. And I think that's one of the things that happens less in a homeschool environment because of the way education is integrated, whereas because of the way it's siloed in public education and because of the way some teachers teach writing and grammar, it becomes an excruciating experience as opposed to one of exploration and discovery. I think that's a great point. I think I've seen that even in my own experience with my children. Um, since I have been very open in admitting that I did not score grammar <laughs> at all or writing, their writing in general, um, I really just wanted them, again, to love the idea of getting their thoughts down on paper in an organized manner. And then I thought the heavy lifting could go to the college professor and <laughs> there. <laughs> I see how you are. Uh 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 (laughs) They could dislike you more than they dislike me. (laughs) Sure. Gotcha. It's it's safe that way. It's safe that way. Um, You know, I would go a step further in when you were talking about how the importance of writing. I know in early on in my college career, I just wanted to talk. Why couldn't I just tell you what I thought? But it really is even in speech writing, in debate, it's it's getting an organized thought process and writing is the tool to do that because there are people who will just talk and talk and talk and get nowhere. And as a talker, I find that super frustrating. 
I'm like, can I finish it for you? I think I know where you're going. Can I get to the end of it before you get there? And so I attribute um, probably my love for organization, even in talking now to being organized in my mind because I was given good writing instruction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily as a homeschooler, but definitely uh, in college. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think, I think the other thing to, to take into consideration is, as you were pointing out, you've got different kinds of curricula that are available to the homeschooler. Um, and you've got different kinds of teachers once they're in college or university. So, you know, I have, I have colleagues who are very old school and they will take a particular approach. And by golly, this is the way they've been teaching English 101 and English 102 for the past however many years. And this is the way they're going to do it. And then there are those of us, um, I can't teach the same way every single semester because quite frankly, I get bored. Um, but I also recognize, and I think I think this is the advantage having been in corporate America for a while and then having worked with K-12 educators for a number of years is, is also recognizing that what the what employers are going to be looking for in the next five or 10 years, who knows, will continue to change. And we know that the number one thing that employers have looked for for the past 20 years is critical thinking. So let's focus on that. And that goes to your point, Jenna, when you were talking about the organization and the structure, then that's evidence of critical thinking. And if I don't understand what you're trying to say, then that's evidence of not critical thinking. So let's go back and revise that. I think that's the other thing too, that students need to practice more is the art of revision. You know, we've talked before, just get the ideas on paper, just get them there, just get them. And then we'll sort things out. You've got some folks who are, you know, they like to see an outline. There's some people who will do some sort of a concept map instead. And, but it still is a way of starting to organize your thoughts. And then you get some things down on paper and you go back and you work through the revision process. I think that's a big challenge for students, regardless of how they're schooled, is recognizing that writing is not one and done. The real work happens in the revision process. Yeah. And I think that's the uh, an unfortunate <laughs> problem in our society is that we want things quick and mm-hmm. we don't want to have to do it a second time. Right. 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 <laughs> First take, first take and done. And if there were mistakes, then that video becomes viral because that's the part that's funny, right? Was the mistake in it, not the um, polished view of it. And so we've kind of in our society flip-flop that and go, oh, well, then that's funny if you, you know, don't bother doing it a second time because the first time, you know, you nailed it. Um, But I think too, that part of, Maybe um, again, in my personal experience, homeschooling the girls, as long as I did, and then the older two going into public education, um, they said, mom, we don't even, we barely read one book in our English course Mm -hmm. or writing course. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think it's that old school idea of compartmentalizing different subjects when in my experience with homeschool, when we've integrated them, it's not just writing, it's reading. And then it's discussion and then it's writing. And so they're not standalone. They all work together. And if they're all working Mm -hmm. together, then maybe, yeah, you don't love the writing part, but you enjoy reading. Well, you can only read because somebody learned how to write well. 
Yeah. And so yeah. I think that integration, um, are you seeing a little bit more of that in public education? No, it, it, if anything, I, I, I see, I see less of it. And mm. part of that has to do with classroom size. Mm-hmm. I think part of it has to do with, and it really depends on what part of the country people find themselves in. But I, I think part of it has to do with whatever the initiatives are, mm-hmm. um, whatever the requirements are, because you're going to see so many more things that are coming from a district office um, or even a state board of education than, than you will experience as a, as a homeschooler. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, because I remember a few years ago, I was working with a school district on the south side of Chicago. And um, I was in their opening PD day and they were talking about all of these things that they were going to be doing. And I was going to be working with them for integrating um, uh, technology with some of the uh, elementary school teachers. And, and when I talk about it, integrating technology, it's let's talk about how the technology can help with reading or with math or with science or whatever that is, because as you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the whole integration concept. But then they were also talking about well, we have to do this uh, trauma-informed instruction. So we're going to have a separate PD for that. And then they were going to have a separate PD for something else. And then they were going to have a separate PD for, I think, one other thing. And I went to the to the principal of the school and I said, can I meet with those people so I can figure out if there's ways for me to complement what they're doing? And she looked so surprised. She said, why would you do that? And I thought, why why wouldn't you? You know, classroom teacher only has this much time and she only has this much time with each of her students. I mean, at least an elementary school teacher has a lot more time with her students because she's got the whole day, but she may compartmentalize in the same way. So I guess my point of all of that particular ramble is that public school teachers have, have less freedom to uh, be cross-curricular. Um, and then once they're in middle school and in high school, forget about it because everything is siloed there. Um, even, even now as I'm working and I'm in a private school, I, I go to talk to the, to the history teacher to see if we can, if we can do any kind of complimentary texts and he's, why would we do, why would we do that? So it just, I just think it's, it's, harder for a lot of reasons to be as cross-curricular as you guys can be. Yeah. And I, I find, I mean, there's huge benefits, obviously, like part of it is time, you know, people ask me, well, how quickly, you know, how long do you guys sit around the table and do school? I'm like, "Eh, I mean, we try not to be around the table doing school for very long because we continue those discussions in a natural way, you know, later on, oh, that sparked, oh, do you remember when that came up in the book or something like that? So um, I do feel that, um, you know, we, we are at an advantage in that way. Um, but back to writing and reading and this idea of, you know, oh, well, if I'm going to be an engineer, I don't need to know how to write, a, a, mm. you know, a, maybe mm-hmm. a creative writing or, you know, we see this, I see it more in the homeschool area with math, like, oh, we're just not math people. So it's fine. Or, oh, we're just not writers. So it's fine. It's like, well, it's not fine because all of that is connected in your brain. And like you said, if you can get, if you can spark an interest in one area and show how it is relevant in another area, well, now you've got another connection to love of learning, which, you know, just fuels a desire to learn more. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think regardless of the way kids are schooled, that is one of the big challenges that we're not math people thing. I mean, my, my dad was a financial analyst, so he did all kinds of mathy stuff. My mom, she kept the books for the house, but she would say, I don't do math. If you have questions about math, ask your dad. I'm like, pretty sure the whole checkbook thing has math in it. Not that I would have said that to her, but I mean, the, the fact of the matter is it becomes an interesting perspective when you realize, oh, well, maybe that's math, but that really isn't math because it's not complicated because it's just adding and subtracting. Whereas whatever he does is, is math. And I think that's the other part of the thing then is along with writing isn't just grammar. It isn't just spelling and punctuation. It's, I mean, it's ideas before it's anything else. And I think that's one of the big challenges that we have in public education, aside from the standards, which we're not really going to talk about, um, is the fact that we, we, in public education, we don't have that flexibility to address what does it really mean to be a science person? Do you like to blow stuff up? Do you like to, you know, build things? Do you like to see what works and how it works? Do you like to, I mean, kids don't know how to see science or see math or see even reading in public education so often because of a thousand influences that we're not always paying attention to. So I think we send a lot of negative messages to public kids that homeschool kids are less likely to get. I mean, I'm not saying they never get them, but they may be less likely to get. I think it's so funny. My husband is one of those who's like, I'm not a math person. I don't read. And yet if something breaks, he's the first person who can research it and fix it. I mean, I, I spend very little on getting things fixed outside of my husband because I'm like, well, he's like, oh, I can't. I'm like, you do though. You do it all the time. And I keep telling him, I said, you could have been an engineer had somebody just told you as a kid that's what engineers do. They see a problem and they fix it. And you're really good at that. And you know, you may not know all the equations, but you know how to find the information to do it. And that's, I mean, that's key. Right. And right. So you know how to figure it out. You know how to figure it out. Right. And when it didn't work the first time, you didn't just throw your hands up and go, Oh, well, I'm sending it to a mechanic. Now it's like you troubleshooted. And then you Mm -hmm. found a different way. And people were like, Oh, well, we don't do science at home because it never works out. I'm like, yeah, that's part of science. It doesn't work out. <laughs> right. You gotta, there's so many variables. You have to do it multiple times in order. Right. And then maybe what you did get as a result is the new result that you didn't fail. You got a different result. Like that's okay. But I think right. we're so ingrained as, as parents who have not been homeschooled and are, and are homeschooling our children. We come from that public education of being ingrained. It has to A, B, and has to equal C. And it's like, well, not, not to get common core math on you, but sometimes A <laughs> plus B is AB, right? Yeah. It's not yeah. always C. And so just being creative when we're homeschooling our children, when we're educating children in general, regardless of how you choose to do it, um, yeah. just being creative, I think is like, good job. <laughs> you're, you're doing it. And I think that that's a lot of uh, what you were just talking about, Jana, is a lot of that one and done mentality as well that we, um, cause I have students. So, um, uh, with my quote unquote regular kids, we were, we were reviewing, um, punctuation 
specifically commas and apostrophes, which really throw a lot of people. And I and I completely get that. And I mean, I was throwing some other stuff, grammar stuff in, and they were not, they were not having a good time. They were not <laughs> having a good time. And and one student, he just he didn't quite throw his pencil, but he came pretty darn close to it. And he just said, I just don't know this stuff. And I said, and that is why you're here because it's my job to help you learn this stuff because if you already knew it we would be doing something else and they all it was so funny I had 22 faces go what it was so fascinating to watch them kind of process that I said people you're in 11th grade I didn't say this part but I'm thinking you're in 11th grade and you're just now today learning that being in school is about learning. More from Dr. Roberts after a word from our sponsor. Bookshark was the best thing I've done for myself and my kids. That's what Dana said. And Tracy says, I definitely regret not starting Bookshark sooner. It has been such a great fit for our family. I couldn't agree more, Jimena. I have loved Bookshark so much. Me too. So friends, if you're wondering how you can jump on this Bookshark bandwagon, well, you can start by heading to Bookshark.com. On the Bookshark website, you can request a free print catalog. So fun to browse a real magazine. Yes. Download samples and see scope and sequence charts of what's taught at each level. There's also a blog at Bookshark.com slash blog with hundreds of articles written by dozens of authors. The Bookshark site just has so much free information about how to teach your kids at home, whether you use Bookshark or not. Well, here's another example. You can get free unit studies and try out the Bookshark way of literature-based learning at bookshark.com slash freebies. And Didi, you know how much I love unit studies. Me too. The new unit study for 2021 is about volcanoes. Yay! Well, let me share just two more quotes. Jill says, we switched to Bookshark Language Arts this year. This has been the best decision ever. We love how everything ties together. I can't tell you how grateful I am for Bookshark. We are looking forward to adding more subjects next year. And Catherine says, pulling my kids out of public school and getting Bookshark's full program saved our sanity. It was the best parenting decision we have made. We are so much happier now versus the kids staring lifelessly at screens all day. The open and go component and high quality literature for science, history, and language arts is amazing. Yes, and we've seen this ourselves with families that we recommended Bookshark to. Their kids were having such a hard time with distance learning and they made the switch. And they love it. So if you want to see if Bookshark is the best fit for your family, like it has been for these moms, then visit bookshark.com to get that free catalog and then add slash freebies to get free unit studies. I mean, then I started thinking about it. I realized that's not an unusual way for too many kids, for a lot of kids to think. I remember working with a, with a, a second grade teacher and one of the students getting really frustrated with it, whatever math thing she was doing. And she literally did throw down her pencil and said, I just don't know how to do this. And I said, sweetheart, that's why you're here to learn how to do this. But nobody expects you to know this yet. And she looked at me and I, I think she came really kind of close to calling me a liar because that's what her face said. And I thought if she's already thinking this in second grade, 
oh my goodness, we are not doing something right in public education. If kids are coming in grade after grade after grade thinking, well, we expect you to know this already. But how much of that is because of the way teachers approach reinforcing learning or having an expectation that you'll already know this by the time you get to such and such grade. So I think think that's the other challenge. I think that could be true of homeschool parents as well. I Mm. think sometimes we get caught in this, my child is this age and therefore it, he or she should know this. Mm. And it's like, why, why do you think they should know that? Like if they, if you just, if you don't know it, you don't know it. Now's the time to learn it. Right. Like, right. I mean, as an adult that I sit in that space a lot in my life, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't know it. I'm now aware that I don't know that. And now I get an opportunity to learn it. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, yeah. I've said to my girls multiple times, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. in that, and I think that's a lot of that frustration, even with uh teacher parent or teacher, student and parent child, it's that frustration of, I should already, I should be good at this. And it says who it, right. It's okay that you haven't perfected this yet in second grade. Cause guess what? We're going to keep working on it. And it's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a one and done. You didn't, Oh, you don't know it now. That's it. You're doomed forever. It's like, <laughs> except this is where you have flexibility as a homeschool teacher, a parent is that and teacher is that you can take the time Mm-hmm. Whereas in a public school, a lot, depending on the state they're in. So this was, the, it doesn't matter what state it was in, I was going to say, but it doesn't really matter. They had certain benchmarks they had to meet. Mm-hmm. So that teacher, it was like, we have to keep going. And if right. you don't know, we have to keep going. And so some of those students were going to fall behind and they were just going to fall further behind, which meant that every time they did benchmark testing, the number of kids who were in the red, as opposed to the number of kids who were green, was just going to get larger and larger because the teachers weren't allowed to say time out. We're going to make sure that you have these fundamentals because there's no point in moving on until you, until you do. So I think that's where public school teachers are also kind of behind the eight ball because there are too many administrators who are pushing tests and Mm -hmm. scores. And so they don't really have, and then kids learn, get the message of that, that what learning is, is a test score. not learning. Right. Well, I had told my daughter this year after I had spoken to a math placement specialist, I said, you know what? I think we're going to back up and we're going to go back to fractions because my understanding is solid foundation and fractions, a great experience in algebra. And she, she was crying every day (laughs) doing her math. So I'm like this, and I didn't want that. And it was like, oh, well, shouldn't she already be here? Shouldn't she be working? You know, like you homeschool, are you behind? Well, first of all, I homeschool, so I'm never behind. And second of all, if I take a year and go back and do fractions with her and she feels confident and masters that when we Mm -hmm. go into algebra, she's going to, she's going to nail it without a problem. I'm like, why is this hard for us to comprehend? But I think it goes back to this idea at this age, you do this at this age, you do that. And as homeschoolers, we do have the freedom, but I fear that parents don't walk in that freedom enough. And so I think hearing from you could help legitimize some of the struggles that they have. And it's like, Hey, you know, Yes, if you did nothing with your children for the 12 years, there's probably some educational <laughs> neglect. Um, some people do really well even in unschooling 
I mean, I, I've seen products of unschooling and I'm like, wow, that's impressive. You never picked up a pencil to paper for anything. Okay. But you know, you were able to go to college. So it, it's that I, it's that process. It's that learning. It's that critical thinking. Yep. It's not the benchmarks. And so we do get the privilege when we homeschool to kind of get outside of that. And I love when curriculum does have parameters for us mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. a guide to say, Hey, has your 11th grader, or, you know, by the time they finish high school done a research paper, mm-hmm. maybe it hasn't been scored but at least they've walked through the process. So they, they've got a piece of, they've got a roadmap, right? Right. Right. They know what they, even if they can't do them correctly, they know what an in-text citation is. Mm-hmm. Even if they've never put together a reference page or a work cited page, they have a clue of what it is. And even if they haven't written it, they they perhaps have seen it and they've started to learn the process of doing research to gather information, to try to start writing a research paper. Um, the number of students I have in English 101 who've never had that experience is alarming. Um, and so I find that often in English 101, I have to start uh, probably around 10th grade and some of the fundamentals of the things that I would have expected them to learn. But that goes exactly to your point in terms of what, what should they have learned by, by this particular point. Whereas I don't care if they can name adverbs and adjectives. I don't care. I I like that they know what they do, but I I don't care if they know what they can name them. Um, So I think that's the other part of the challenge is is for for English teachers, but probably in any content area teachers is figuring out what's really most important for them to know to be successful in college or whatever they choose to do if they choose not to go to college. As you were talking about the 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 spending extra time in fractions um cruel cruel person um but i appreciate it i do i i was remembering a a colleague of mine who was talking about he uh, for one semester he he decided that he would it was teaching chemistry and he would slow down to make sure that everybody was on board because with chemistry if you don't understand the periodic table fundamentals of elements and things like that nothing else nothing else makes sense. So he decided to be very literal with the go slow to go fast. And something that typically would have taken him three or four weeks because of the, you know, the March to the end, he took, he took, I think he said eight weeks, but they were so, so ready that everything else he could go so much faster because nobody had to refer to anything. They, they had the periodic tables, they had the atomic weights, they had all the stuff that they needed to know, and they could just work through the chemistry after that. That was proof enough for me that the whole idea of going slow to go fast makes so much more sense. Really Do what meets like the that. needs of the kids. Yeah. I mean, can we hashtag that? Going slow to go fast? I mean, that's like a great title for a book, <laughs> Dr. Roberts. Hmm. Like, hmm. <laughs> all right. So... You are talking to the younger version of me and I've come to you and I said, I'm going to the older version of the college student, the younger version of me now. And I have come to you and I've said, listen, it's it's on my heart. This is what I want to do. I'm going to homeschool my children for whatever umpteen reasons why. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe that they are on the college path, the collegiate path. So Mm -hmm. as a homeschool parent, what do I need to make sure I do 
in order to set them up for success in college? All right. So there is no single path. You know that there's no single straight answer for that because a lot of it depends on what they think their major might be. However, I think we go back to the fact that there are critical things that any employer is looking for. They want critical thinking. It's inevitably number one. They want good problem solving skills. Uh, They want good communication skills. That's both oral and written. Um, They also want people who have you know, the ability, and this goes to problem solving to a bit, but the ability to to be perse- to persevere and, and do that problem solving to figure it out. So I think ultimately it has to do with um, giving students uh, enough space to succeed through failure in that it's okay not to do things right the very first time. Okay, so what did we learn from that? We're good at this. We need to work on this. Maybe this isn't our path, but let's figure out what our strength is or our weaknesses with regard to that so we can figure out how to maximize our strengths and mitigate our weaknesses. Um, I I would say read, 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 and then read some more. Read novels, read um, fiction, a different kind of historical fiction, read uh, lots of nonfiction, read uh, online articles, read opinion pieces. Um, practice writing argument, practice writing persuasive pieces. Um, Make sure you know how to use the technology tools that are available to you, because who knows, by the time today's eighth graders in college, they may not need to know anything about grammar because the software will be so good. Um, Focus on the the ideas and focus on the ways of integrating ideas, because if I've learned nothing else in all of my years on this earth, I've, I've certainly learned that the individual who can integrate different kinds of ideas is going to be so much further ahead than others. There's a great book written by Daniel Epstein called Range. And he talks about the how the generalists um, really have, not necessarily have so much power, but they have an advantage in the world because they don't say that this is the one thing they can do. They recognize that there are multiple things that they can do because they've figured out how to take disparate ideas and bring them together. And so I would say to the homeschool teacher is exactly that. You have the advantage that nobody else has to talk about. Let's go read a really interesting biography about a chemist. And then let's read some ideas about chemistry based on that, what that chemist did. And then let's see what the historical arc is of that, because now we're talking about history and now we're talking about chemistry and we're reading. And let's write some poems about that or a short story about that. Or let's do a short research paper on that or all of the above. Go for it. Do whatever you like there. Because I think that kind of practice of different genres of reading and writing and thinking is is the most powerful thing that we can give our kids. So if parents are preparing their students um, for the collegiate path and whether their child deviates from that or not, because we cannot see the future, we do we have no magic eight ball, unfortunately, sometimes with our children. Um, <laughs> in the past, colleges have relied heavily on the ACT and the oh. SAT. And oh. in my current readings, those things are starting to become less weighty in college admission. So mm-hmm. if that is the case, if they're not looking necessarily at scores of these standardized tests, what mm-hmm. can homeschool parents kind of look to um, as a, to gauge how to prepare for those 
entrance exams, if they're not going to be using them, do you know what I'm asking? Like, yeah, yeah, I do. I do. And, and one of the things that, um, one of the reasons that I think the standardized tests are going away is because they're such artificial writing situations. Mm. I mean, the ACT and the SAT for, for reading and for writing, nobody, nobody processes what they're reading the way those tests ask kids to do. Um, I'm pretty sure my experience, there's, there are a few multiple choice questions in my life. Doggone it. There's some true false, but they're <laughs> precious few of the multiple choice. Um, or they all seem to be all of the above. So, so I think that's one of the reasons that universities are getting away from that. On the other hand, there's a slight advantage, a teeny tiny advantage to students being able to practice those because of the timing issue. Mm. If they can practice that, it helps them think about, oh, I can accomplish this much. It's an idea of building up stamina because they will need that kind of time management in stamina indirectly once they get to college because, you know, procrastination does not always work. Just a thought. So I think the big thing then is with the college entrance essay, because that seems to be where more and more universities are going, the interview in in that essay. And I think I was just working with a, a student who's getting ready to graduate early and she She's working on a college entrance exam uh, essay, and I said, you know, you've got to make your, you've got to make the introduction more interesting. When we go back to writing and we talk about introductions and conclusions, what is the purpose of an introduction? We want to make sure we get the reader's attention because otherwise they're going to bail on us. So make your introduction interesting, and I and I think reinforcing those fundamental skills ultimately comes the most important thing because whether you're a math teacher, or chemistry professor, philosophy professor, whatever professor. We want to read interesting writing. And so the students who have learned how to find their voice and articulate their voice are going to be so much more successful in college. Um, and I, that's one of the reasons I would focus on the reading, 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 thinking, writing, thinking, writing, reading thing and worry less about the test. Now, just your opinion. Do you think at some point they're going to start taking TikToks as college entrants? I think it's entirely possible. I do. I do. Um, I had a, I had a student, I asked him to do a project and one of my students said, could she do it like a TikTok video? And I thought my first thought was, mm, when? <laughs> and then I said, yeah, you know what, go ahead, do it. Let's see what happens. And she actually ended up doing it as a, as a four parter because she realized she doesn't really know how to stitch it to use TikTok, didn't know how to stitch it all together, but it actually was really well done. Um, so why, why not? Why not? Because it's some of those kids who are clear and co- more comfortable talking, they may be more comfortable with that. Although she told her, she told me it took her way longer than she thought it would because she did have to go back and, and write a script and then map it out and figure out what she was doing. I was like, yeah, see, that's why the TikTok was okay. Because ultimately you couldn't just do it kind of off the cuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, My daughter was finishing up finals and the professor gave her group the opportunity to do extra credit. And it was like five points. If you created a meme that had something to do with interpersonal um, communications, that was a class Uh, 10 points. If you could do a TikTok. And so she was all excited. And so she and her friends were able to pull this TikTok together, explaining a uh, communication. I don't, I 
something about falling apart at the end. I, I do remember that part, but um, it was, it took, she goes, mom, it, it took us a, quite a while to get it all together. But once we had it, you know, these things are 30 seconds long. You figure how much time goes into some of these now, you know, but they did great. And, and in the end, I was like, what a perfect example of working together as a group, mm-hmm. interpersonal mm-hmm. communication to, mm-hmm. you know, she's like, yeah, well, you know, it was my idea. And I'm like, but you had to sell the idea. You know, you you have a lot of people who have ideas. It's not even necessarily the best idea. It's the one who can sell it to the group. And Uh so I was like, because when I first heard it, I was like, oh, that that professor's kind of taking the easy way out there, isn't he? Like, um, (laughs) and then in the end, I ended up having to applaud him. I thought, what an incredibly creative way to let modern day students work Mm -hmm. out some of these um, theories that you've been teaching them throughout the semester. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's, that's the kind of stuff that I would love homeschool parents to get a hold of. You know, there's complaints that, oh, Johnny doesn't like to do his creative writing. We cry every day, you know, when he has to do this or that. It's like, well, my goodness, get creative, you know, and there's, there's comments in, even on our Facebook um, support pages, like, why don't you just let, have him dictate it to you, you Mm -hmm. know, have him record himself Mm -hmm. instead of having write it down. So Mm -hmm. just, just different things that we can start doing in our own home area of learning that, you know, it, it's not uncommon even in the public arena that they're exactly right. Exactly right. I mean, we just, we just finished reading um, long way down with my, with my regular 11th graders. And I told them I wanted them to write um, a reflection on, on the book. I gave them a couple of questions for guideline. A lot of my stuff is really open-ended, which drives a bunch of them to distraction because they want some. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't know. I just want to know what you think. Right. That's it. I just want to know what you think. And I yeah. said, and if you want to write it as a poem, since Long Way Down is a poem, write it as a poem. Mm-hmm. And you should have seen the looks on their faces. And it's just like, I just want to know what you think, right. how you choose to express that thought. Unfortunately for me it has to be in writing, but you know, it could be uh, with their other options. I mean, my my college course, I did a um, I did a three three hundred level course. Do you remember the gen ed literature classes mm-hmm. from the old days? And 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 I and I give them options because they're not all English majors. Most of right. them are not English majors, and so they could do a podcast, they could do a video, they could do all kinds of things. It makes sense for them to try to express their learning in ways that make sense to them, especially for those who are upperclassmen. And they're looking at something that they might be able to put in a portfolio. I mean, why not? I mean, it's no, it's no harder to grade. So, because I just want them to think, I just want to know what they think. Yeah. Well, I loved getting to know what you think today. I am a, a privilege and an honor to have you on with me today. And I hope that our uh, viewers and listeners have enjoyed just uh, hearing me pick your brain a little bit, bring some uh, validity and maybe um, calm their troubled hearts about some of the stuff that they are doing at home to know that, you know, um, it's, they're doing a great job. And, mm-hmm. and in the midst of these last 18 months of craziness in our world, um, we are all doing the best we can with what we Absolutely. have 
Absolutely. And so, um, hats off to you parents who are even taking the time to listen to this. It just shows yep. that you do care and that you are doing the best for your kids. So Dr. Roberts, thank you so much for being on with me today. I appreciate you. I, I think the audience appreciates all the work that you poured into me as a college <laughs> student all those years ago. <laughs> it's my pleasure, Jenna. That's it for today's episode. Until next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Homeschool Your Way, a podcast by Bookshark. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening now so you'll be notified of future episodes. And if you have questions you'd like the hosts to answer or have any feedback about the podcast, please visit bookshark.com podcast to leave your comments. Or you can simply email podcast at bookshark.com.